Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another episode of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. A little different format this week. Uh, our good friend Pierre Lebrun in Florida with Craig Custins at the annual GM's meetings. And actually this is the annual uh, or the, the time of almost every season where Craig and Pierre try and wrest control of Two Man Advantage, the podcast, away from me. Uh, trust me, that's not going to happen. And in fact, in about two seconds, we're going to chat with Barrett Jackman in St. Louis just to reconfirm that we have full control over the podcast uh, but you will hear from Craig and Pierre later in the podcast uh, Pierre and Craig I believe both sitting down with Montreal GM Mark Bergevin in Florida to talk all things GMs and Habs and uh, you shouldn't uh, uh, as, as much as I give Craig a hard time you should listen into his podcast which is the full 60 uh, which will also be recorded in Florida this week at the GM's meetings. Uh, so do that. But without further ado, let us bring in longtime NHL defenseman, Barrett Jackman. Barrett, how are you today? How are things in St. Louis? Not too bad. We actually got some nice weather around here. So, uh, you know, it's the sun's out and we're, we're happy to be outside. <laughs> well, listen, it, all of the athletic listeners and readers will know that you spent some time with uh, Jeremy Rutherford on the St. Louis podcast. We went blues. And uh, first off, let's just talk. Knowing Jeremy Rutherford as I do, very surly, hard to get along with, um, mean spirited. That must be a real challenge for you to be working on the podcast with Jeremy. Yeah, we butt heads a lot, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll. Uh, you know he's not very professional and, and, and he's, he's very unorganized. But uh, you know, I, I slap him on the side of the head and uh, you know keep him in line every once in a while. <laughs> well, good for you. Someone needs to, and of course, uh, we're having fun. There could hardly be a nicer person, not just in hockey, but maybe in the entire universe, than Jeremy Rutherford. So it must be kind of fun. But um, uh, Barry, before we talk about the Blues and what's going on uh, with them, I, I was I was hoping we could maybe just look big picture a little bit. You spent. Um, about a dozen years playing uh, for the Blues, and I'm just curious what it's been like for you to be so connected to the team, and in the time uh, you know leading up to the Cup win in Boston in Game Seven last June, and what has transpired this year, and just if there are things that have surprised you about it, about being in that town and around the the hockey community in St. Louis since the the Cup win, have there been things that have surprised you, or has you know, have you been when you take stock of what's happened in St. Louis? What, what impressions are you left with? Uh, you know, I, I don't think there was much surprise with the uh, the support that this team has had, and uh, just over the years of of how passionate the fans are, and and what you know the Blues and and sports mean to the people in St. Louis. So. Uh, just you know, kind of leading up to uh, the last uh, year and a half, two years with uh, the Winter Classic in in St. Louis and the turnout for the alumni game. We had over forty thousand people, you know, watch a bunch of washed up old uh, you know hockey players at, at Bush Stadium, and then uh, you know the run and and you know the coaching change, and then the run that the Blues went off in the uh, the second half of the the season last year, and and you know ultimately winning the cup and. Uh, the All-Star Game uh, coming here, and then just being announced uh, to go into another uh, uh, Winter Classic in Minnesota. So uh, I, I think that 
a lot of people that have kind of been through this town or, or watched some sporting events know how passionate the fans are, but uh, the recognition that the league and, and you know, just, uh, you know, the Blues finally making a mark and, uh, you know, in the history of, uh, you know, these Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, it, it's been uh, it's been real special just to, to be alumni and, and, you know, be a fan of the game as well. Wait, I'm curious, where did you watch Game 7 and what was that what was that like for you? Uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, I was invited to go to Game Two in Boston, and then uh, I went on a uh, you know kind of family uh, employee plane uh, for Game Seven as well. So I watched the the game in uh, the owner suite with uh, Bobby Plager, uh, Keith Kachuk, Chris Pronger, and uh, and Brad Hall. So I was very uh, very fortunate to to be there for for that, and uh, you know see uh, you know some old teammates uh, finally get to, to hoist that cup. Well, that's a, it, it, I, I'm sure that'll be a memory for you that uh, that won't uh, soon fade away. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned former teammates because you know one of the I was fortunate enough I covered the West Final and then the the Stanley Cup Final and a, a lot of my focus was was on the Blues and and their roster and some of the the storylines there and I got to spend some time with Jay Bowmeister and uh, chatted with his dad and lots of former teammates and and things like that is in in working up a piece just before the uh, end of that final series and then of course to see what happened with Jay and his uh, you know the cardiac episode in Anaheim and the you know tremendous response from the duck staff there and um and his decision not to c- come back and or to attempt to play later um for the rest of this season and then see what happens moving forward you obviously have understand what it means to to Jay and his family and I'm wondering you know what it's been like for you to to watch him go through this and maybe um your sense of, of 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 how this has all unfolded for for him and and the impact on the team. Yeah, it's it's been real tough. Uh, just watching that game in Anaheim and seeing him go down, and uh, you know, I just remember sitting there trying to count the players and and you know take a, a tally of who who I could see uh, standing there, and then once realizing it was Jay uh, down, just just the impact of. You know, not only on on his family, but the team, and and just the the fans that that were watching that, uh, uh, and it was amazing the the outpour of support from from everybody around around the league. Obviously, Jay is a very accomplished player, over twelve hundred games, won you know everything under the uh, the sun when it comes to hockey, and and uh, but for him to you know kind of be be taken away from the game the way that it was, but very fortunate to be uh, be in in Anaheim with so many doctors and the and the staff, uh, uh, Ray Borelli with the Blues, and then the uh, the Anaheim staff and doctors that were right there. So uh, it, it was it was real tough, but uh, you know you kind of look back, and if Jay doesn't play another game, uh, I, I think he would be very uh, very pleased with what he's accomplished, and and you know captivating or, or, or capping it off with with the Stanley Cup win. Line. Last year. Yeah, and I think you know. I think <clears throat> when when something like this happens, it certainly uh, you know it's such a cliche, but to put things in perspective, it it certainly does that. And and to have his family around and to have you know been able to celebrate in the most incredible way uh, with them in Boston last June, um, you know, to have this happen. And you're right. If it, if it does mean walking away uh, for good, boy, it's um, again. You, you, I, I'm 
guessing there wouldn't be many uh, regrets for for him or his family and you know it'll be interesting to see what happens I did that you know I whenever I chat with Jay and to watch him when he did his uh, press briefing I guess it was last week uh, he's pretty much the same all right pretty much low-key there's there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of high points to Jay when it comes to emotion which is you know sort of how he I think how he played the game I don't know maybe you see him a little bit differently Oh yeah, no. I was uh, I was in the back of that room, uh, you know, watching just to to see if there was some uh, emotion and uh, and some high points or low points. But yeah, you 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 know hit the nail on the head on that one. He, uh, you know, very even keel, very smart individual. Um, and yeah, I was I was next to Joey Vitale, uh, uh, color guy for the for the Blues on the radio, and you know we we're kind of jabbing each other. It's like you know. The uh, the reporters are trying to get him to cry, and, and we're both saying that's not going to happen. But yeah, you know, Jay is just a, he's an amazing individual. He's very very quiet. He's not outspoken or anything like that. But um, you know, the guys in the in the room, they all love him. Is you know a little bit of a dry sense of humor, and when he speaks, everyone listens. And uh, you know, if you're able to to be within this three four uh, you know foot radius to actually hear his voice, it's uh, it, it, it's pretty uh, a pretty great. Uh, great person yeah and I don't think people really get how important he was to that run last year and playing a lot with Colton Pareko and you know how it allowed uh, uh, Alex Petrangelo and some of the other guys on that back end to do a little bit more and it just a, a an absolute rock back there so obviously thinking good thoughts for him and Barry you're in an interesting position because you you're around the team you're on the ice with the at times with the players who were you know working through injuries and doing some rehab stuff and extra skating and uh, of course everyone's curious about you know what uh, we might see from Vladimir Tarasenko at some point as we head down the stretch here and 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 contemplate the playoffs and I'm curious what you you know what you see when when you interact with him and you watch him as he makes his way back from the the shoulder surgery and and maybe some of the challenges that will be ahead for him as he tries to you know ramp up to a a level come playoff time that you know without having played for a long time um, why do you think he might be a player who can step right into that kind of role or what or what the expectation should be for him when he gets back yeah, you know, right when he gets back, I, I think it's all about getting the uh, the shoulder out of his head and and getting a couple bumps uh, right off the bat, and and even in practice, just to you know, just to ease his mind that his shoulder is uh, is healthy and and strong. But uh, he's the type of player that um, you know I think he can step right in and 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 be a factor. Um, you know, the first time I skated with him, I think it was uh, right after he was cleared to skate and. You know, he took the puck and he was firing pucks like I, you know, 15, 20 miles an hour harder than, than I could take a full slap shot. And he was just, <laughs> you know, snapping it. And, um, you know, his shot is so deadly. His vision, his, his, uh, uh, his sense for the game is, is so high that uh, I don't think, you know, just the whether it's playoff hockey or if it's, uh, you know, just a little bit of a playoff, uh, you know, push at the end here. Uh, I don't really think that it's going to be, uh, you know, conditioning or, or, you know, sense for the game. I think it's just going to be to, to find his place on the uh, in the lineup again. You know, where are they going to put him? Are they going to put him with, uh, you know, with, with Shen and, and Schwartz again? Or uh, are they going to maybe just ease him in and, you know, the third line and play him with Bozak and, and Steen or something like that? But um, and then, you know, just find his place on that power play, too. They've, they've been, uh, you know, pretty good this year, and, and he hasn't been there a lot. So, you know, just, 
you know, realizing that he is he's going to step in and, and maybe not have the prominent role that he had last year. But uh, I'm sure, you know, the more they ramp it up, uh, uh, he will be that go-to guy again. Well, it's it's going to be fascinating. And it's it's been interesting to watch this Blues team because we were, um, you know, I think a lot of us, you wonder what happens after such a magical run. And, you know, you go back to the the narrative is well known from last place in early in 2019 and all that happened, whether there would be this kind of, you know, the, the, the proverbial Stanley Cup hangover. And we talked to Doug Armstrong on this podcast uh, before the All-Star break. And, um, you know, they did go a little bit sideways and you wondered if they'd hit a bit of a wall. And I think we've seen that from a lot of good teams in the NHL. Washington has gone through it. You know, Boston uh, right around the same time. And, and uh, as we get down to crunch time now with uh, fewer than 20 games left, um, those good teams have really started to ramp it up. And I'm, I'm curious how you how you handicap the central uh, because the top three you know when you look at the blues winners of eight straight games as you and I are chatting right now Colorado's won seven straight you know Dallas has had a couple of uh, uh, overtime losses but they're such a well-built team and uh, very much in the mix there how do you how do you handicap the top end of that central division and maybe you know what the challenges are going to be for the blues once the playoffs start to you know, to get back in the, in the mindset that we saw all last spring. Yeah, the the central is 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 very tough. Uh, you know, even look at some of the teams that are you know kind of kind of coming up from behind with uh, with Nashville. You know, has a a chance to maybe get in, but um, you know, Winnipeg too is is right there, and uh, Minnesota even's got an outside chance. But all these teams are so good; they're so balanced. And, um, you know, with with the defense, uh, I think that Dallas has they're they're exciting, and um, you know, you look up and down the lineup, you know, it, it's a balanced attack, and it it's kind of built the way that the Blues were last year, where you know the fourth line and, and third line are contributing as much as the top two, and uh, Colorado is that very dangerous team that uh, you know they're high end guys, they're are you know amazing to watch, but. Um, you know they, they do have that balance and, and a couple of additions uh, uh, that that are really going to help them. So uh, it, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be an absolute beating, uh, no matter who uh, the matchups are, and uh, it, it's going to be real tough to, to get out of the central and, and out of the west this year, uh, like it has been the last few. Yeah. Just before I let you go, Barrett, I, I'm just curious, and especially. You know, we've seen the Blues, uh, again, Doug Armstrong making, you know, very, you know, sort of tinkering moves as opposed to anything dramatic at the trade deadline with Marco Scandella coming in and, and really, uh, you know, in response to the Jay Bomeister situation. Are, are there things that have surprised you about how well this team has played and, and maybe how they've positioned themselves for, you know, what is nearly impossible to accomplish. Of course, we saw Pittsburgh do it in uh, 16 and 17, but it's so hard to repeat. But are there things that have surprised you about how they're positioned to maybe take a, a legitimate run at, at going back-to-back? Um, I just think that the, the experience that a lot of those, uh, you know, kind of uh, support players like a, a Sunquist and Barbashev and how important they were uh, during the run last year, uh, just the uh, you know the maturing of Robert Thomas uh, and how you know dominant he looks on the ice and 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 the more comfortable he is with with you know, more intense minutes and 
Um, you know, even uh, like a Sammy Blay or uh, Mackenzie McEachern when they're in the lineup and and uh, and and go and they're you know they're two more big bodies that play physical. So, you know, and then like you said, the uh, the addition of Scandella, uh, you know, kind of out of necessity after Jay uh, went down is is just a, a very smart move and he's fit in very well in that. You know, kind of a aggressive, uh, physical defenseman that's been great on the uh, on the PK. So, you know, I think just the, the little tinkering and just the maturing of uh, the younger guys and the experience they got in the run last year has has really positioned them into uh, you know being a, a one of the front runners uh, just because of of the style that they play, the the physical in your face. Um, four line, uh, six D men rolling it over. I think that the, you know that really bodes well for uh, for another strong playoff push. Good stuff. All right, Barrett, this has been a ton of fun. Thanks for hanging out, and and frankly, you have filled in admirably for Pierre LeBrun. <laughs> and this is no slight against Pierre, but uh, you can come on and hang out with me on Two Man Advantage anytime. So thanks for thanks for taking some time and doing that today. Yeah, you let me know whenever you need me. <laughs> Sounds good. Take care, Bear. You too. Hey, everybody, we'd like to pause for a brief minute to ask you, our faithful, committed, existential listeners, to click into the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that's there to a very short survey. You all know so much about us. For instance, you know of Pierre Lebrun's love of red wine, his, his affection for rooming with me at the Olympics. Uh, but we don't know all that much about you. The survey there is 11 super simple questions and will take you sub 60 seconds, promise. So head to the show notes for today's episodes and click on the link. And thank you for taking the time to do that. It's always great to hear from our listeners, helps us get better, and hope it'll be a little fun for you too. All right, again, our thanks to Barrett Jackman, former Rookie of the Year and the man who, look, if he spent... Stanley Cup final game seven in a suite with uh, Brett Hull and Keith Kachuk and Chris Pronger. He's a man lucky to be still with us. So good for him for doing that and good for him for hanging out with us today. And as promised, we will now make our way to Florida where Craig Custance and Pierre Lebrun will pick up the baton. All right, we're joined by Mark Bergman, GM of the Montreal Canadiens here in uh, sunny Boca Raton. And uh, I think you know, I'm going to have my first question in French because I want to respect a lot of the Habs fans that are listening in. Marc, uh, la première question que j'aurais, c'est qu'est-ce que tu, qu'est-ce que tu sors des réunions des, des DG après plusieurs années comme directeur général? Est-ce que, est-ce que ça a changé? Comment, comment tu regardes ça? Non, mais dans les dernières années, les années récentes, on fait beaucoup de small group, des petites, des petits, peut-être 10 DG ensemble. Ça l'aide beaucoup à, à, aux discussions plus euh, en détail, puis après ça, on amène ça au, gros, au plus gros groupe, les 31, puis ça, ça, ça a changé, puis ça, moi, personnellement, j'aime ça, ça l'aide beaucoup euh, au, au DG, surtout qu'il y a de plus en plus des, des DG qui sont nouveaux, qui sont plus à l'aise dans des, dans des groupes plus petits. Le groupe, aujourd'hui, a décidé de changer le règlement avec euh, leur jeu, puis euh, euh, le patin euh, sur la ligne bleue, finalement. Ça fait plusieurs années que vous en parlez, mais c'est en faveur de changement-là? Moi, ou... personnellement, oui. C'est euh, Stevie Eisenman qui a amené le, le point, puis là, il l'a ramené encore. Puis, écoute, euh, souvent, tu vois des joueurs qui attendent la ligne bleue, mm-hmm. puis quand la rondelle passe, ils commencent à patiner. Fait qu'automatiquement, le, ça n'a aucun rapport avec le, le, le offside. Puis on, on, on laisse des beaux buts, des beaux jeux sur une chose qui n'était pas importante pour, pour le, le, la façon que la rondelle... Puis souvent, si on est rendu, qu'on regarde 
un, un, une reprise pendant cinq minutes. Probablement que le, le, le jeu, on est rendu qu'on est splitting hair. Fait que, je pense que c'est une bonne chose pour, pour la Ligue nationale dans l'ensemble. Okay. I asked a couple of GM questions there, Craig, just so you know. Uh, we'll switch to the focus of your team, Mark, and uh, it's been an up-and-down year, a lot, of, uh, a lot of drama in Montreal. How, how, what would be the one thing you would touch on right now? And the season's not over, but the thing that would touch on right now that you would have said, I didn't see that coming. You know, a 96-point team last year. Yeah, it's a, Pierre, it's a good question. To say I had surprises this year, I can't say because I knew last year we, a lot of things went our way and uh, we did miss the playoff. We had still 96 points, which if you look at just the point itself, was a pretty good season, but missing the playoff, it was not something we, we wanted to. And this year, uh, for me personally, what I did not like about our team is that we've we're not consistent enough night in and night out. And I mean, I believe we have a good team. I know we're not an elite team, but when we play for 60 minutes the way we're supposed to, we're a pretty good hockey team, and that should make us a playoff team. And this year, that's what it was the most frustrating part for me. So, and I guess the easy thing to ask is when the team was inconsistent, what were you seeing? Like, what was... Uh, a lot of things have to do with uh, with forcing things, not playing our system, and, uh, and then after a while you become uh, more nervous, and it you know it just you just play on your heels instead of on your toes, and and again it's not something that only happened in Montreal because it does happen. I mean you look at Pittsburgh right now, a very good hockey team, and I think they lost six, maybe even seven in a row, and they're very good. It's just it's something that occurs around the league, but when you live it in Montreal, it's even it's worse, and it feels worse because you're it's your team, and you when I say you take it personally, it's just it affects you directly. As when another team goes through, you go, oh yeah, well they're going through, but when it's you, it's like no no no, it's it's uh, it becomes a, a crisis. So uh, that's what I found hard. And it'll be interesting moving forward for you, Mark. That I mean, you like the core of this team. You've talked about that a lot. And yet, you probably feel like you can't bring it back exactly as is. I mean, when you miss the playoffs, you miss the playoffs. You want to make changes, right? So, I mean, how do you find that balance between, you know, Carey Price and Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie and Gallagher? These are your core guys, and they're coming back, but yet, Well, you know. yeah, no, it's, a, again, another good point. It's to make changes to get better, uh, we'll do that. To make changes just to say we made a change and not being so sure we're getting better, I'm not going to do that, uh, and again, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to blame injuries because every team goes through it. But we had some guys that were missing for long period of time, and the guys that were counting on stepping up did not step up. That's why we were where we are. That's where we are. So. For me, for the coaching staff and the players to blame other people, I think we're not going to move forward. I think we all have to take our share of responsibility and with me at the top and with the coaching staff and, you know, and the players. They're the ones who are on the ice, so they have to take some responsibility also. So I think as a group, we need to do that and come back stronger next year. And we do have a young team. I know we have some older players, but some of our good young players 
they need to go through this, and they did. And it will be uh, interesting to see how they uh, react and uh, come out next year. Mark, I, I know you've already talked about the trade deadline, but one of the interesting things I think about you guys is you've compiled a lot of picks. And I'm always curious with GMs if there's a point where you, a, a number where you don't want more than that in a particular draft. And is it like, do you have that number? Well, and I don't have a sp specific number, okay. but it is a point where you have too many. And especially you have to be careful if it's, there's too many. You have a lot of picks back to back to back because you only allowed 50 contracts. Right. In some case on junior hockey, you have two years to make a decision. The college kid, you could spread him out. The Euros, you could spread him out. So at some point, you might have to, you know, be careful how you draft. Also, not only the picks, you might want to, you know, if you come, if you're close on a guy that you like, another guy you also like, you might want to go with the college player or the Euro, because you have longer period of time to make a decision on the player. So. There's a lot of moving part that comes into play, but yeah, at some point you you know you have a lot of picks, but also the more picks you have, it's the more chance it turns out you get a player. How do you think you're going to prioritize? Uh, you know who's playing in Laval the like next couple of years? You have a lot of young players coming already that you drafted the last couple of years, and I guess what I'm getting at is you know like Kakanyemi and Suzuki took different paths. You know Suzuki went back for another year in, in the OHL. I think it benefited him. We know Kakanyemi had a terrific rookie year and took a step back this year. Do you have to go player by player of those things? or? What's yeah, it's case by case. There, You can't say, okay, he's, uh, he's going right away, he's going back to junior. And also, you have to look at your team. If I'm going to bring a young player who is a top six player uh, with skill that's going to end up playing on your fourth line and play 10 minutes a night and some night not playing, well, he's better served going back wherever he's coming from then wasting a year, burning a year on the player that, you know, all the, it's case by case. You know, some guys are like, I've talked to a GM today and there that he put a couple guys in the American League, but those guys were big boys, even though they were 18 and 19 years old. And you put a guy who's smaller, it's a men's league, they get hurt. I think, you know, Cal mentioned Toronto, a couple of the young kids, the 18-year-old in the American League got hurt. And he said the best thing for them. So it's case by case. Mm. It's interesting. I, I I don't know if it's intentional, but it seems like the team that is the host team in a draft. I, I, I think back to like Jim Rutherford making the Jordan Stahl trade in Pittsburgh. Or, there always seems to be fireworks. Lou Lamarillo with it was a Corey Schneider trade. There's always some fireworks around. Do you? I don't know if you accumulated picks intentionally or if you if if, if that part of it even seeps into your mindset. But do you feel hey, it's in Montreal? Like part, this is showbiz, right? This is entertainment. Yeah, we have well, to put on a I'm bit of a show. In, I'm, I'm not in Hollywood, so I'm not doing for showbiz. <laughs> uh, and to think four four months out, I'm not that smart. But yeah. most of the time, teams that host the draft, they'll tell you in advance. You know, if you're trying to move picks at the deadline, they'll say, you know, I push it back a year because we're gonna host the draft. Uh, there's some value for the home team, but uh, and again, there's also value if you want to make a move. You have picks, uh, so there's a it gives you option. Put it this way. I think I've asked this before, but, you know, is the offer sheet an avenue you would go back on, you think, after? Well, I mean. Good question. Well, yeah. I, I mean, uh, no, I think people good. assume that you yeah. wouldn't because it didn't work, but no, I, mean, I don't no, know if that's no. true, right? No, it's, no, not at all. It's it's a tool that, again, it's in the CBA. Uh, it's available to all of us. We're the only team that used it last year. Uh, I'm not against using it again. And we at some point it could get, get used against us. 
so I, I have no issues with that. But uh, I'm not. No, I'm not ruling anything out. But it's you know it's 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 a difficult. You know that's why there was you know one last year and you know so many uh, RFAs. It's it's a hard way to get a player. I think like it's so hard to use that as a mechanism. Did did the idea you mentioned somebody could go after your guys? Does that notion did that seep into your thought process at all? Like hey, we become a target if we start no. targeting? Not, no, at all. not at all. Okay. No. no. Yeah. Um, you know we we talked before we started taping the the podcast. Uh, and I've known known you for a long time, Mark, and when you were scouting playing. You were the life of uh, the life of the room. You're a popular teammate when you played. A lot of stories about your sense of humor. Uh, same your scouting days. Uh, you've been in a high-profile GM job now for a number of years. Has it has it taken a bit of life out of you? Has it? Are you have to be more careful about yeah, showing I'm your the, personality that yeah, way? Yeah, no, I'm the same guy, Pierre. But to your point, you have to be more careful because you know people see you in different ways, but. You know, the on the flip side of the coin, I say, and I really believe that that I take my job seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. So uh, you still have, you still need to have fun. You still need to relax uh, because that helps you do your job better. I believe. I mean, yeah, it's a 24/7, but you need some time off because it allows you to be good at your job. So I believe in that also, and. You know, to having fun. I mean, I'm having fun with all the GMs in there. That just, you know, it's. I think to make people feel comfortable and feel like, you know, it is a high-pressure job. But at the end of the day, we're still human and we still need to have fun. Do you? Does any part of you want the public in Montreal to see that side of you to say, hey, you might understand me better if you? I mean, we. Uh, yes and no, I guess because it's you get judged sometimes if you. You know, like I said, I, I, I take every loss as person, not personally, but it, it affects me because it's I'm involved emotionally on that team. But it doesn't mean if I go to dinner the next day and I'm having a laugh with a few friends that I don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? So and sometimes people might take it that way, but that's not the case. So you got to be careful. And the last question, Mark, thanks for taking time with us today here on the two man advantage. Uh, it, it's really at the heart of this all, you've talked a lot about it over the last week, but, you know, the plan and, uh, and you know, wanting to be competitive while getting younger. And to me, I find it interesting that people struggle, some people struggle to understand the plan, because to me it's clear, if Carey Price and Shea Weber are on your team, you can't have all 20-year-olds on your team otherwise. I mean, I mean, you're all in with those guys. Yeah, I look at or not. the, yeah, no, Good point. I mean, I look, there's teams who have success, but every team's at different stages. You know, you look at teams now that are very good, and there'll be a drop off at some point. That's just reality. I mean, I was in Chicago, and uh, they have, yes, they've struggled, but they have three Stanley Cup to show for. LA Kings struggle, they have two Stanley Cup. There's teams who, who push for a Stanley Cup, and they haven't won because there's only one winner. And those teams, at some point, they're going to have a hard time because it's the process of being good. And, you know, when players perform, they get reward. And now they get reward on the person level is by getting paid. Well, you know that you have a salary cap, so not everybody could get paid. So you have to make hard decisions. And some teams who didn't make the playoff will have to make hard decisions. And that just, and we're in a different cycle where, you know, we had a little push in, you know, in 14. Uh, we had teams that make the playoff a few years in a row. 
but we didn't make it, so we kind of, you know, we switched to the reset that I call, and now we're on the other stage, and hopefully in the near future we're, we're, we're swinging on top where we'll be competing with the, those elite teams. But, again, in the, 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 the only thing in our business, and you could ask the 30 guys in there, the only guarantee is there's no guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe in the theory, like Doug Armstrong has said with the Blues, one of their strengths was they have they had different tiers of players. They had guys that were in that eight, you know, 19 to 22 range that were contributors, 25. To, you know, you can't just have a bunch of 32-year-olds with yeah. 18. Do you believe in that kind of stratus? Well, sometimes it's just the way it shapes yeah, up. Too. Okay. If you look at Toronto, I mean, the players they drafted, they got really good really fast. Right. And the way the CBA structures, these players will have to get paid. And in the perfect world, they, you know, it, that's not the way you want it, but that's what they got. And they, they have some very talented hockey players. And I also, I also believe once you get in the playoff, I mean, anything's possible. So there's every team is different. And sometimes it's not by choice. It's but how it, things happen. Right. I mean, if you last Toronto, would they take Austin Matthews again? Of course, everybody would. And he's a great player for them. So there's things that you have to deal with. And I know Cal and management Tron are very smart and they'll figure it out. And they already start doing that. So that you have to manage different because the, 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 the deck you were dealt with. Well, thanks uh, again, Mark. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Merci, Mark, ton temps. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Send okay. it back to Scotty. All right. Great work by Craig Custance and Pierre Lebrun. I mean, not perfect, but not bad. Not bad. Uh, and as always, we would ask you not to forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash Two Man Advantage, you'll get 40% off your subscription to The Athletic, which you should have anyway. But please go and do that if you haven't done so already. And we'll see you or connect with you again next week. Woo!